Hi, everybody. My name is Eric. And I'm Shalila, and welcome to Are You Still Watching? A podcast about movies made by two of us. I will have you know that Eric was born to host podcasts or anything that involves the usage of his fantastic voice. Um, he's also just a generally level-headed human who has very, very admirable thoughts about much more than movies, but we would all be very privileged to hear all of his well-thought-out reflections on the world of film. And I am Eric's friend, and that's where my qualifications end, but um, I love to talk, so let's do this. That was just the most uncomfortable 15 seconds I've ever spent on a podcast, right there. That was uh, Lovely, that and was we it have it for on recording yeah. for the rest yeah, of your for life. the whole world, yeah. Uh, so what are we talking about today? Yeah, this is our, uh, I, I would love to call it a post-Oscars spectacular, despite this being our second episode ever. I think that's great. I think we should just jump right in with no humility. Yeah, I mean, we said we were going to have an after show, and here it is, so we keep our promises. I think that's the really important thing. Yes, yes, consistency, really. So, we're going to talk about the Oscars. They were just, uh, just a few days ago, and what a award show they were, genuinely. Um, you don't usually say that with sincerity, but what, what a show. Yeah, uh, it was, I mean, I would say it was definitely the most exciting show since at least, uh, 2017's with Moonlight. Um, but frankly, it felt, 2016? 2016 show. Um, 16, yes. Yeah, but, uh, uh, this one, this might be the most exciting one that I've watched in my lifetime. Um, which was shocking given how we went into it. And I think we talked about that on our uh, first episode was um, yeah. kind of how we were both like excited as we normally are, but also kind of like, right. eh, it's pretty predictable and it's going to be kind of blah. Right. And that's okay. It always is. And I got to say, it really blew it out of the park. So yeah, um, I think we, I think it was definitely some combination of immensely predictable and off the charts unpredictable. It was somehow both of those things. Um, in terms of just the awards on paper. It really was. Uh, even the show itself, to be honest. Like, oh, there was yeah, some stuff yeah. that I was like, oh, sure, here's that thing that we always come to expect. And then there was also usually not good choices, but there were choices that yes. were just so out of left field. Um, I, I couldn't have possibly made them up if I had tried. So. Yes. Yes. So very quickly, um, for those who may not have caught Eric talking about this in our previous episode, um, tell us a little bit about Jenkins. What is Jenkins and what is your investment in this award show mathematically? Yes. So Jenkins is uh, a uh, spreadsheet, essentially, uh, that has 25 years worth of Oscar data across every category. Um, although I've been doing it since 2012 and I've said 25 years since then. And it's not like I delete old years. So I guess that's mm -hmm. not true anymore. It's like 30-something years. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, it is it is every category uh, except for the shorts. Uh, I have all kinds of different other awards and other factors that feed into who I think is going to win those awards. And I basically use uh, very basic analytics in order to try to predict them um, based on the uh, somewhat sound reasoning that uh, the Academy is made up of different guilds. Those guilds each have their own awards, and they pick their own winners, and therefore they should generally line up, as well as things like 
uh, people in the world watch the Critics' Choice Awards and the Golden Globes, and yeah. every Academy voter can vote on every award for the winner. Um, so if you are an actor and you don't know much about visual effects, maybe you watch the BAFTAs so that they tell you what should win, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um and that is Jenkins. Uh, it is something I pour an incredible amount of time into every January, and I get, like, super stressed, and I always go really weird over it, and uh, it always means the world to me for exactly a month. And then uh, I get very stressed on Oscar night, and then it does a pretty good job, but not a perfect job, and then I always get stressed out. And I'm always like, ugh, it's so bad, I have to fix it. And then the next year, I completely redo it. Because I'm always convinced You've fully that said I'm stress just four times one, I love it. one regression mm-hmm. away from a perfect guess, which just perfect. is impossible. Yep. I am just a guy. Machine learning through Excel, are, yeah. I mean, yeah, but there are like bookkeepers, like people that are yeah, dealing yeah. with a lot more money than I am who have a lot more powerful technology and experience. Uh, and I'm still convinced every year that I can do it. If I can just figure out how much the Florida Film Critics Circle aligns with Category X... I bet I can predict it perfectly, and I never have. So, we're getting closer with every year. Yeah, it's or, my or quest we know for the with every year. Yes, well, I will, yeah. we'll all be there when it, when you achieve it finally, the gold standard. <laughs> I guess spoiler alert: uh, it did not predict it perfectly this year, uh, but it did pretty good. Uh, we Jenkins and I disagreed in a couple categories, but we both finished out mm-hmm. basically in the same uh, list, which was. 19 no 18 for 24 and i think jenkins did 19 for 24 so if i'd listened to jenkins i would have gotten one better um and that was it lovely well so i I, this is something i'm actually very curious about really quickly when do you just decide to go with your heart when you disagree with jenkins do you just want something to win so badly or do you just think it's worth that shot or what why do you sometimes not go with the numbers yeah so um, this actually started with Moonlight, and that's why it's named Jenkins. Uh, is Before that, I just called it the spreadsheet. And during the Moonlight race, where because it was Moonlight and La La Land, yes. exactly, for reasons that I, I really can't describe. Like, it's not because I have some insider information, because I exist on Twitter and that's it, so I have the same access everyone else does. Um, I just kind of knew that Moonlight was going to win. And I don't know why, it was just this overwhelming feeling of like, I know that La La Land is supposed to win, and I bet it's going to take a lot of things, for sure, but I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. And maybe this is just, like, 2016, like, uh, you know, anxiety and making me the overly vibes. hopeful. Scientific Exactly. Um, maybe that was it, but I really yeah. did think it was. And the spreadsheet, of course, did its job. Like, the spreadsheet, this is not to say it failed. Like, it didn't. It did its job perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it said with 100% certainty that La La Land was going to win because, of course, it was. Wow. There's no piece of data telling you that it's not going to win. Um, so that's what it told me to do, and I disagreed with it. And I was like, no, nope, I know it's wrong. I don't know why it's wrong, but I know it's wrong. And I chose Moonlight instead. And then I was right. Well, first I was wrong, and then I was right, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was the most stressful Everything moment. was That's wrong, and everything My cable was right. went out right when, uh, right when uh, 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 Jordan Horowitz got up there and like said his thing, where he was like, uh, guys, it went wrong, like Moonlight had it, and then my cable cut out, and I screamed out loud. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, it was a nightmare for, for all of us, really, for humanity. So anyway, that was what led me to name it Jenkins. Um I agreed with it with Shape of Water. Um, I agreed with it for Green Book, fortunately. 
Uh, and mm. then um, this year, uh, I disagreed with it. And this year, again, it said that it was going to be 1917, which I don't blame it for. Um, although Parasite yeah. was like a very close second. Um, yeah. But yeah. again, it, wasn't it was just a completely feeling. Completely off like, the charts, guess. It. But yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I will say every machine learning teacher I've ever had is not ever forgotten to overstate the, to to state to stress the importance of the, the human aspect and just how much you have to just be a person who picks a human choice sometimes over everything that the numbers tell you so in yeah. a in a in a beautiful machine learning sense that that really is just what you have to do i'm going to tell a very That's... quick story about my 2016 oscar experience in a second go for it I was because I think it just really speaks to my commitment to award shows. Not not even the Oscars, just the concept of live TV. So I've almost never I've never had live cable that has streamed an award show live at a time that I could watch in my life. I don't think that has ever been possible. I've either been living in a country that either doesn't stream it, doesn't, you know, show it live on TV, or it was, you know, an horrible hour and it was not going to air live at that hour anyway, slash I was going to be asleep. That said, I was probably pulling an all-nighter and streaming it on the internet. So, 2016, I am in a sorority house. It is not my sorority house. It is another sorority. We are having a joint Oscars party, a watch party. We are um, gathering in the very sizable living room. Um, we we put it on a projector, a big screen. People start filing in. People with no respect for award shows or the Oscars file in after it has begun, which, my God, I cannot get started on that. Uh, Anyway, so people start, you know, coming in, it starts getting pretty crowded, there's these hundreds of people in this living room, um, and it turns into just a party over an Oscars party. And then it becomes apparent that we are also live streaming this off the internet, and this is just my lifetime of frustration. And the stream goes bad, things start pausing, we're getting, you know, into the media awards, and I get so frustrated. I'm looking around, and everyone is just having a party, people have forgotten that it's the Oscars. There's me and about four other people in the room, and we all meet eyes, and we're taking this very seriously. We're all like, this is crushing. We need to be watching what's happening right now. How is nobody bothered by this? So we leave a very fun party, go into a, the side TV room that is, you know, has an actual TV. It's very small. I think four to five people can sit there. Um, and we turn on the actual Oscars. We lock all the doors, soundproof it with a towel underneath, and watch the Oscars while a very fun two-sorority party is happening outside because it was just deeply important to us. Um, and I think that was when I found my people, and that is just what I will do for the Oscars. I mean, I completely understand. I, uh, I had some people over during the 2016 one, um, but since then I have basically not watched it. Like I'll watch it with like my roommate or my partner, but like I, I have no desire to watch it with human beings anymore. I'm just not interested. No, like, it's, it's like just, a very solo activity helpful. and it's definitely more like for them than me. Like I, I realize that I'm being ridiculous and that's <laughs> fine, but like I want to only have that affect me and that is how I choose to enjoy them. And that's, I'm not going to apologize for it. Yeah. Lovely. That's why we're here. Someone has to yeah. do the dirty work. So can you tell me what was your, like, give me like a, let's do like a 30 second uh, uh, monologue in honor of the Oscars. What were your, like, what is your overall feeling? What was your overall reaction uh, to how the, the, the show went in its entirety? 
Um, so many emotions. I think, uh, so something I love very much about Eric is that he is a genuinely fantastic writer, does not, knows how to take, I know, I promise I'm getting to the Oscars here and I know I have several seconds, but, um, my favorite thing about you, seriously, is that you know, when you have to convey an emotion in writing, you will take the exact number of words needed to say that, and you're really good at it. Um, I say this to say that um, you wrote a lovely piece about the Oscars, and I also called you and texted you and shared a lot of feelings about the Oscars, and a, a phrase that we both repeated a lot in our writings or talkings or reflections was, I've never been so happy to be wrong, something like that. Um, and I think that really summarizes my entire feeling. Um, I think just what, what, a, what an award show. Um, genuinely, just, I felt, I felt, this is the one thing I want to get, get across is that one of my favorite things about like being a really big like soccer fan is um, I genuinely believe the joy of sports is pretty much second to nothing Elsa, there's a specific feeling of watching something really beautiful that you've always wanted to win live, win live. And I felt that joy, but not through sports, through movies while watching this mm -hmm. resort show. It makes me feel really, really, really happy. Um, so those are my not at all in-depth emotional reactions. Please now monologue for us, Eric. Sure. Uh, well, first, thank you. I appreciate that uh, compliment. Um, I... Uh, that piece that you read is actually my first attempt to start writing things in a reasonable amount of time. Uh, I opened it up during my lunch break and I said that I will write this and finish it and publish it within the expanse of my lunch break um, because I have a problem where I start writing something and then I write it over the course of seven days because I never feel like it's right. And then by the time I publish it, I'm like, that wasn't even worth it. Uh, so, yeah, that is just me trying to actually be better at being a human being, you know? Um, I will say I think so, you it's <laughs> success. Yes. So all that to say that um, the that piece that I wrote is I was trying to figure out why I felt so good after these Oscars. Um, and there's like a difference and I couldn't quite put my finger on why it felt so different between this and, and Moonlight when Moonlight won, because I feel like, like Parasite's win should not overshadow how important and amazing Moonlight's win was. It really was like, it was a, uh, an incredible movie and, and the first time that a movie of its kind had ever really won. Um, so that shouldn't be overshadowed. And for some reason, it just didn't quite feel the same way to me. And what I finally sort of realized was that there was like a difference in, in how we were all wrong. Like, in other words, it was like Moonlight was like a, almost like a, uh, I think Moonlight was the unfortunate victim of like a, almost like a scarecrow where because mm. it was 2016 and because of the, competing class of movies and by the way this is not to say that i dislike a lot of the movies i actually really like la la land i don't care you can yeah. at me world um but i enjoy that movie um oh, they will. it's definitely it is not the best movie of that year let's be clear but i do enjoy it um i think that moonlight and la la land to a degree were sort of put up as scarecrows because of the cultural battle that we all felt that we had sort of um gone through and were in and, and was, was happening at that time. And that meant that like it's when it's almost like it wasn't about movies. 
Like the the whole thing was more yeah. this feeling of like, oh, it was supposed to win and then it didn't and then it did and but it didn't really win the right way. They didn't have enough time and and everything was just so weird and chaotic and the the lead up to it was so negative. It was so negative. Like that was yeah, honestly it was, a terrible. Found, time it found to get a win Twitter. turned away turned a win into a way to take something away from someone, which is unfortunate. Yeah. And the lead up to it, run to the Oscars that year was truly terrible. Like film Twitter was mm-hmm. a nightmare. Everyone was just so yeah. vile about you are so wrong to like this movie and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the More way, so not in like usual. a, not in like a, a actually constructive way. Like I will say, uh, I'm probably not the person to go hunt down people that enjoy green book on the internet and tell them that they shouldn't. But there is a difference between saying you think La La Land is the best movie and thinking Green Book is the best movie. Like, one of yeah. them is an actively harmful portrayal of racism and made by a author with, like, pretty pretty questionable pasts on the internet. Uh, and the other is a nice romp through Hollywood and has a weird jazz <laughs> yeah. subplot. And that's okay. Um, yeah. So all that to say that it just it just felt different. And what, what I think I finally figured out was... I, the reason that, that, that the Oscars were this year were so wonderful was that it felt like a victory. It felt like Parasite delivered us a victory, not only for itself, but for the concept of the love of cinema and film. Like it was a, it was a, it was a reaffirmation of the power that it can have and what it can mean to people. And it did that not only through its own like success and merit, which it is. It is absolutely the best film of last year. I will say, put an asterisk on that. I have heard competing arguments for Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which I have not seen because it's mm-hmm, not wide mm-hmm. release. But I have it is heard that as well. This Valentine's Day, so maybe I'm yes, wrong. And this is true for people in the UK as well. It's coming out very very soon. Yes. So, uh, but nonetheless, it is it is certainly uh, among at least the top two, uh, maybe argued best movies of last year. Um, on top of that, I honestly think it's one of the best films I've ever seen in my life. It is just mm-hmm. incredibly well made. Um, so that's like its merit on its own. But the other part of that ceremony that really stood out to me, what really did it, is when Bong Joon-ho, the director of Parasite, won for Best mm-hmm. Director. And when he gave a quote about that, that has led his career. And he basically said, this quote has shaped my career. Like the entire time he's been in it, he has followed this one quote. And he says it, and he talks about it, and it's very beautiful. And then he attributes it to Martin Scorsese, who is sitting in the mm-hmm. crowd, uh, not 100 feet from him, who is also one of the nominees. Um, mm-hmm. And as a quick note, like it also might be one of his last movies. Like uh, Marty's pretty old. Uh, that was yeah. one of the points of The Irishman, is that this was basically, this might be the last go-around for a lot of those guys. And it will most certainly be the last go around for all of them together. And him sitting there and, and, and Bong attributing that to him and everyone giving a standing ovation for Scorsese was such a beautiful moment. It honestly choked me up a little bit because that was that moment yeah. where that is where I think Parasite succeeded in a way that I have never seen an Oscars movie nor Oscar show do before where what it did was reinvigorate the base idea of what it should be. And and I think there's a lot of cynical ways that you can look at the Oscars. It is a way to sell commercials. It is um, a self-congratulatory party. It is simply mm-hmm. a, a business award show, which it is. I mean, we sort of forget that, but it is just like any other, like I'm sure your Absolutely. office, wherever, whoever you are listening to this, I bet your office has some kind of like 
awards thing they do. It's just that. It just so happens that it's one of the richest, you know, most high-profile industries. But it is basically that. Awfully um, America-centric, usually. It, yes, <laughs> exactly. So there's a lot of cynical reasons to discount it. But at its core, it is supposed to be a celebration of film. And it is supposed to be a recognition of the craftsmanship and the effort and the love that goes into it. And that moment to me so encapsulated it that I felt very good that I had been wrong. And that I think is that feeling that you mentioned before and something I really want to chase. And I think I'm going to, I'm still going to try to predict them and I'm still going to get stressed out, but I really do think that this has changed something in me, which is also what films are good at. Um, and that I want to try to approach next year with a more of a feeling of, I, I want to be wrong. I'm going to keep trying to be right. But what I want more than anything is for the Oscars to prove me wrong. I want and in the best way. Exactly. Like I, I want them to pick Ford versus Ferrari for best editing, which I know sounds crazy, but the reason I want that is because it came out of left field that that's, I didn't, nothing pointed to that really. Like, right. I want them to. Out of curiosity, do you feel like it was merited? I do. I'm not. I, I, I actually do not really feel like a good sense of confidence in, in being able to judge editing very well. Um, editing to me feels a lot like directing where it's kind of like a, I feel it when I see it kind of a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. That being said, I do have like a pace awareness of some things that affect editing. So for example, like I think a good reason that Parasite didn't win that award, to be totally honest, is that uh, that movie was edited uh, on the page is sort of the phrase that people use, uh, which means mm-hmm. that Bong Joon-ho storyboarded out that entire film shot for shot and followed it. So there is editing, obviously, and that doesn't mean the editing is not there and it's not great. I mean, it's it's nominated. It must be. But it also means right. that things like 1917 or Parasite, where the editing is done in the literal yeah. creation of the shot itself... Um, means that it is not necessarily as, I don't know, as arduous or maybe doesn't take quite the same level of, of yeah. um, craftsmanship. And I don't know anything about Ford versus Ferrari. I saw it, but I will say this. I would imagine it was probably a lot of editing because uh, there is a, it is a very kinetic movie. There's a lot of movement. There is a lot of perspective changes. Um, and you're also keeping track of a lot, a lot, a lot mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. distance and time and space and volume all at the same time because you're, you're showing a race. Um, and I think that technical films yeah, yeah. like races or war movies or, you know, uh, just think of like Dunkirk, like that kind of idea, those movies tend yeah. to, to take editing. So, um, yeah, all of that to say that I just, I, I appreciate that they awarded a wider breadth of movies and... Uh, I think it really did renew sort of my love for what this can be. Um, there is a somewhat sad face asterisk in here a little bit, which is to say that does not mean that the nominations were still not disappointing. They were. Um, right. They should be nominating a more diverse crowd, and, and that is not diverse only in protected class terms. It is also literally in types of film. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, something talked about for a long time is like, where are the comedies at the Oscars? They're just not there because mm-hmm. people don't treat comedies the same way. That kind of thing. Um, like we talked about in our first podcast, actually. It's almost like uh, a Charlie's fun way to throne. direct the anger that everyone has towards superhero yes. films. It could also be towards, hey, yes. comedies. Anyway, exactly. What, why is Charlie's Throne in here for Bombshell and not for Longshot? Uh, right. Those, those kind of questions of like... And why was that the, never even considered a possibility? Exactly. Yeah. And th- that's the kind of diversity I'm talking about. It, it, is, it is not only protected class, it is in... 
it is in genre, it is in tone, it is in in, mm-hmm. in race and gender and religion and, and, and perspective, and they need yeah. to be nominating more of those films. But I am glad to see that they are awarding a wider breadth, even just simply more of them. Um, I, I like it when more movies get awards. I, I don't actually prefer it when, when one movie takes them all, um, even when it might deserve it. I would rather see different right. movies yeah. get awarded. Yeah. So. That Absolutely. is my way longer than 30 seconds feeling on how the show went overall. Oh, it was beautiful. Um, so now I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to ask you uh, to talk about uh, some categories. Were there anything, were there any categories that like, I think we, we've sort of covered best directing and like how that was for us. And I mean, best pictures. Yeah, I'm going to add something really quickly. It was really, in addition to what you said about how, you know, the the beauty of of Bong Joon-ho's speeches was that he kept, you know, essentially shouting out his love for a film and and all of the the people whose shoulders he sees himself standing on and just his contribution. I'll also say that at every, I've seen all these tweets that say that at every after party he went to, he just continued to shout out additional movies. Like he would be at the um, karaoke party and he was talking about um, how Portrait of a Lady on Fire was overlooked for all the awards and is the most beautiful movie. And that's all he talked about when given the mic which i just think is it's so beautiful it's obviously just clearly him and what a guy you know um yeah yeah just a little little fun little fun anecdote about how he really is lovely well other than best director and best picture uh Mm -hmm. can you are there any categories that really stood out to you uh throughout the entire night are there any categories that like jumped out at you that you feel particularly passionate about about who they are awarded to or an upset or really anything about them uh anything that really just stood out yeah, I'll say um, something that I'm, I'm happy about that I don't think is a surprise or anything, but just, just want to say it, put it out there. I'm really happy that Roger Deakins won Best Cinematography for 1917, just because it just makes me really happy to see Roger Deakins recognized every time. Um, is this this is, is this his, his second? This guy doesn't have a lot of Oscars, yeah, to be honest, Yeah, this is his right? second Oscar, but many nominations. Um, but gotcha, I believe right, it is only his second true Oscar. legend. Um, I don't remember what he previously won for off the top of my head. Um, but, yes, it is his second Oscar. And he gave a great speech. Yeah. He really did. Yeah. And also, I, I mean, there was a lot of weird thirst tweets. Yeah. Um, just just a lot of people who are like, he's hot. Um, which is, uh, I love that. I think that's so funny. Um, oh, he won for Blade Runner 2049, which, again, extremely nice. well-deserved. Um, that was yeah. his past win. Um, so that just made me really have a stray moment where I was just smiling silently at my screen the entire time. I was like, yes, you know, uh, you, you take that award, sir. Um, lovely guy. Um, also, um, you know, we do love to see, genuinely just love to see good, diverse wins. And um, it was obviously very sad in a different sense to see Greta be overlooked for Best Adapted Screenplay only because, as we say, like, I just like all the movies that I believe should just get some award to get some award. So yeah, it was, you know, sad it went home empty-handed in general, like a lot of other movies. But um, really, really happy, um, bizarrely, that... Taika YTT won for um, Jojo Rabbit. Uh, I know that I think I think I I think I like personally Jojo Rabbit a lot more than whatever the consensus is on this movie. I really enjoyed it. I, I don't think it was a perfect film or anything, um, but I thought there were like we we talked about this last episode and you said this, but like uh, unbelievable performances and j- some of them and really 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 just generally. I just loved the movie. I thought it was heartwarming. So I was just very happy to see him. You know, stand up there get a little award. 
well, you know, a little Oscar. It's what they say. It's just a little Academy Award. Um, <laughs> made me happy. Uh, it's, it's, I think, I think it's, a, it's, you know, it's, it's definitely not the first win for an Indigenous person or anything like that, but it is uh, really great. I think it was a third. Um, and just, I think it you know, I first, like him. I know. People, I, I think they've mm-hmm. said it's the first competitive win for a ah. for a, a cinematic Oscar. Like, in other words, if I'm not mistaken, okay. the only other previous win, one of them was honorary, um, okay. which was this year with West Duty. And there's been one other one that went for best song. So I think that is where, Probably. like, the distinction is coming in here is that this is the first time that someone has won like a a I guess for lack of a better word like a cinematic Oscar like like right, right. not a music related Oscar I think was sort of the idea but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, and, to be, and I, I suppose I should just quickly say in case you know you didn't watch the Oscars and are listening that um, the four acting you know, in quotes, uh, categories went to exactly who they were always going to go to, just for posterity. It was, um, you know, Brad Pitt with his lovely Best Supporting Actor. What a beautiful, cute speech. I just, I just, he's eye candy, man. I like to see him up there and also love to see him be awarded for his stuff. Um, Man just gets more beautiful. There's also this very cute video of him, um, uh, with him and Bong Joon-ho meeting, I think, after, right after the show ended and they gave each other the world's cutest hug and then and Brad kissed him on the cheek, and it was just, it was very cute. Just generally love, awesome. love, love a good Brad Pitt moment. Um, obviously, um, Laura Dern with uh, Best Supporting, um, Renee Zellweger with Best Actress, and um, our man, um, the Joker, <laughs> with his, um, with, I think this was the year with the most bizarre best best actress and best actress speeches. There's a really funny article on Vulture you guys should all read. That's that's just a close read breaking down both of their speeches. It's really funny. They're just um, yeah. Those were those were those awards. Um, bizarre moments. Do share um, things that stood out to you. Yeah. So I think the ones that. Uh, I'm actually going to highlight a couple just as like a, a nerdy spreadsheet guy for a second. Um, the yeah, ones that please. drove me the most nuts were film editing only because that one this year was truly a toss up. Like, um, a parasite, uh, a parasite Ford versus Ferrari and, uh, oh, uh, God, now I'm forgetting it. Um, Hang on, I just pulled up my thing because, of course, I did. I already had it open. Who was I even kidding? Um, <laughs> yes, so Ford versus Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, and Parasite. That's what it was. Each okay. of them had taken a different award, a different award that is typically uh, indicative of the winner. Um, and what was hard this year is that the Critics' Choice Award didn't go to any of them. And Critics' Choice oh. usually um, usually is a, a pretty good indicator. Like I said, that's one that... Um, often goes because people basically everyone can vote on the on the best winner um only people within their respective group can vote on nominations but everyone can vote on the winners Mm -hmm. and the academy does like recommend essentially they sort of like i don't hint isn't the right word but they sort of like nicely recommend that people only vote for things that they have seen Mm -hmm. and that they only vote for things that they feel comfortable saying that they should do right I have no idea how much people are actually doing that, but I do know mm-hmm. that the Critics' Choice Award is often seen as like a good way to know 
where people, if people are voting for everything and they don't know what the hell is going on, they say, what did people think? And people is translated as Critics' Choice. So anyway, Critics' Choice went to 1917 and that's not even nominated. So that meant this was a toss-up category and therefore I did not know who was going to win. Um, Although Ford versus Ferrari, according to my spreadsheet, was going to. um, But that has to do with the BAFTA being a, a pretty powerful predictor. Um... So I, of course, was feeling more righteous, and I went with Parasite, and I was wrong. So that's where I should have listened. Other than that, um, what other categories do I have hills to die on? Oh, I was extremely um, wrong, by the way. Little Women won um, for Best Costume Design. It did not go home technically empty-handy. Yes, it did go home for Best Costume, which I don't know anything about costuming. If there's any part of film right. that I know the single least about, it's costuming. <laughs> I will say this. There is a, a great podcast from The Ringer um, that I listened to called The Big Picture. Um, okay. And they were discussing on there, um, Amanda Dobbins is one of the co-hosts of that show. And she was discussing the fact that uh, uh, Greta Gerwig made a intentional choice to not go with traditional costuming in this movie. To basically go away from like um, hoop skirts and and bonnets, and instead hmm. go with like other versions of costuming, and in that way it was like simultaneously it was like period piece costumes and also like subverting period piece costumes. I, as like a uninitiated, uh, as Bane might say, um, did not notice at all. It just had no yeah. impact on my enjoyment of that movie. Like I was not like, oh my god, this is so much better because it doesn't have bonnets. Um, right. But I definitely, like, as just a nerdy person, I appreciate that, like, craftsmanship. I really like when when people think that through. Um, but, yes, other categories that I want to have hills to die on. Uh, best animated Please. was definitely going to go to Toy Story the whole time. I still think it should yeah. have gone to Klaus. Disney. But what I did mouse. not take into account in, like, literally the minute before I turned in my, my ballot to no one, to myself... Um, Mm-hmm. I changed it back to Toy Story 4. To Twitter, I, I suppose. Which, where yes, people should follow you because you live tweet how the, the Every year. boy compared to your prediction. <laughs> Every year. It's yeah. a beautiful thread. It is like non-intrusive. It is in a thread <laughs> and it is really cool. So It's really it. cool. just, Love it's mostly later. for me just to know, every, like to put it out so that I can't like cheat myself. So that I'm not like, yeah. well, really? Like, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I always knew. Yeah. I changed it right before because I realized, I don't know why I never thought of it, but Klaus is Netflix. And that that oh, like that should have oh done it. Oh my goodness! Was that on its own, only released right there. directly to Netflix? Yeah, Klaus is Netflix. Oh, and because poor of that, movie. it was never going to win. So never that was out. Um, the only other one that I think I really have anything to say, uh, like that I have any sort of um, bone to pick, if you will, uh, is visual effects, and here's why. Visual effect. I okay. I need to couch my argument before I begin it. I mm-hmm. do not care that Marvel movies do not win Oscars. Um, I like Marvel a lot. I really enjoy their movies. Uh, we can talk about this on another podcast, but I believe Shalila is aware of the PowerPoint I once put together in order to track all of them in a chronological sense, a so that people aware. could. Uh, catch up on the movies when this is like days of work i want to say days oh my god i can't tell you how much time i spent in the hundreds of slides i i spent an incredible amount of time on it like i remember tracking it and it was like a work suite work weeks worth of work on that thing by the end of Mm. it it was months worth of work 
Anyway, um, I love Marvel and I love their movies because I enjoy fun things and it's just that simple. Um, I do not believe that because they're the most popular movies and because they're big and because people see them that they should win awards. Like, I don't think that is an equitable statement. I'm with Marty on that as well. That is my couch. To be honest. Now, here is the secondary part of my argument. Avengers and The Lion King and even Star Wars this year are the three that I'm going to kind of put in a bucket here. Those movies exist only because of visual effects. Like, if you watch the the behind-the-scenes things of, of Endgame, for instance, it's not like they went to New York, upstate New York, and they put all the actors on a hill, and then they blew up the hill, and then they staged a green screen battle. No, they're just inside of, like, a room. They're in, like, a big old warehouse with a ton of green screen, and uh, Tessa Thompson, who, by the way, had the single best outfit of the night, uh, no question. Um, So true. She is sitting on a mechanical bull that is supposed to be a Pegasus, and that is fine. Like, that is not a criticism. That is just how those movies are made. Here's my problem with visual effects. They gave it to 1917 this year. They gave it to First Man last year. Blade Runner, I can Mm -hmm. actually let go a little bit. I think that's fine. They gave it to Ex Machina the year before. They gave it to Interstellar the year before that. I'm skipping Jungle Book, by the way. They gave it to Gravity. Um, Life of Pi actually did deserve it. They gave it to Hugo. They gave it to Inception, um, which actually might deserve it. And they gave it to Avatar, which did deserve it. So Mm. barring the Jungle Book, maybe... 2049 and Avatar, they mostly award visual effects to the Oscariest movie that they can give it to. Yes. My issue with that Ooh, being... that is a pattern. 1917 could have been filmed without visual effects. It wasn't, mm-hmm. because few movies are, but it could have been. And do you know how I know that? Because France exists. I've seen it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a real place. <laughs> Uh, buildings are real. You can dig a trench. Uh, all the costumes are actually real. Like, those exist. Endgame and The Lion King and Rise of Skywalker, they don't exist without visual effects. They are quite literally conceived out of the brain of a human mind, and they are put into a computer and made real. So real that as long as you're having a good time, you truly believe for just a moment that Chris Evans is holding the hammer of Thor. He's definitely yeah. not. He's not wearing anything you're seeing him wearing. But mm-hmm. it looks like it. And that right there, that statement, shouldn't that win Best Visual Effects? Like, that is the part that confuses the bejesus out of me. I didn't like Lion King I'm hearing much. your genuinely and very still, serious argument, I agree. I, I, uh-huh. I, I didn't like Lion King that much. And I still would go to war for that it should have won Visual Effects yeah. over 1917. They like without the visual lions. effects, it was that one second shot that they sneaked in of Africa at the beginning. Yeah, the rest and of it is then it is a blank computer. reel for one and a half or all two hours. It. And they also invented a ton of new technology to do it. And it was an incredible feat of engineering. And the actual movie was very mediocre. So what you're saying is Sonic is a shoe-in for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Or should be if the world was just, I suppose. Yeah, I, no, I, I just, I, that, that, that is genuinely also baffles me. That is the crap out of me i understand that those movies are not oscar movies i get that but how on god's green earth do those movies not win visual effects and i'm not a visual effects person so i don't know what goes into it so like 
if they don't nominate a certain movie, I believe them. Because actors don't get to do it. Directors don't get to do it. Only the Visual right. Effects Guild gets to nominate. So when they nominate Endgame, Lion King, and Skywalker, I don't believe that's because they're fanboys or something. Like, obviously, that's because right. the experts of their field know that those are things worth nominating. But then every other person in the Academy gets to vote on it, and they all go, we don't like Marvel. Didn't Lion King come out 20 years ago? What is a Skywalker? Oh, I know what 1917 is, and they click that button. Uh, and that just whew, infuriates me. Um, well, so that's you. my category, yeah. uh, my category uh, monologue. I mean, I pretend to know a lot about movies, but I don't really know anything at all. I know a little bit. Um, I just like them a lot. So I don't know anything about visual effects or costumes or, like, to be honest, like, directing or cinematography. Like, I kind of, I know more than, like, film Twitter (laughs) pretends to know sometimes. So I know some stuff. But, like, beyond knowing some stuff, I really don't know anything at all. So I'm in the same boat as you as, like, surely that should be literal proof that it was made believable and took many, many more hours. Um, Right. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I also, I also wonder if that just falls to the classic like award show thing where they were like, well, we gotta balance out giving nineteen seventeen something or slash you know the Oscar bait movie something every year. Right. Um, and I and I, I I I'm sure it's not that simple because then it would be a real shame that the category that gets you know in quotes sacrificed for that Oscar Bates award is VFX. It's not, but um, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. I agree. Um, oh, I actually have a fun game for us, by the way. Uh, yes. I forgot to tell you about this completely. So we do not have to do this right now, but I do have a fun game for us. Um, actually, we kind of already talked about uh, Bong Joon-ho and how amazing directing was. So we actually covered our entire agenda. Um, you we have sure a game did. and I have a game. So is that what we want to do now? Yes, but no, I want to I want to talk about some stray stuff before we go into our game. Oh, but I'm please very do. excited that it. you go have for it. a game. Go for it. Go for it. Um, so so the Oscars also other stuff happens um, that I oh, as a yes. tangent person <laughs> love to talk about. So I we're going to do I that a little bit. I think I just forgot them. Like I tried to forget yeah, them. Like, so you know that, what they I, do? Yeah. They just air the awards back to back and then Eric mutes the TV and has a panic attack. So yep. that's when I turn the volume up. Um, so I was watching um, what a what a weird rest of the show. Um, I'm not going to like not mention that there was an Eminem performance why was Eminem doing lose yourself at the Oscars as it is not 2003 and indeed 2020 I don't know he also doesn't know that's amazing um genuinely feels a little bit like we all hallucinated that everyone was having a really good time um my so stream we, kept cutting out so that? I really felt like yeah, I was fake I was yeah say, please do tell talk me about what, the fact was, that, what was going well, on there what I want to hear is is what you felt because here's to my understanding you did not know that was happening until I told you. I did not at all. My stream was gone. And uh, I yeah. asked you to text me what was going on. And ob- now, uh, here's the thing. I think you're a very funny person, Eric. But I respect you more than to think that your idea of a joke is to tell me that Eminem is performing at the Oscars when he's not. Like, that is That's the most I mean. respectful yeah. thing I can say. So, I, you, when you texted me, yep. er- Eminem is performing? I was I genuinely wondered me, whether we yeah. should question this friendship. You, you messaged me and you said, "Is this a joke?" And I I told you exactly what I told everyone, which is I I generally think I'm like a, 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 a at least mildly funny person. In a million years, I could not have come up with that joke. There's just no, no way it had to happen. I would it not was have been able to something you could not make up. Joke. Um, yeah, it, it was. I agree with you. It was definitely a moment that felt like I was 
hallucinating. Or, like, maybe I got it wrong. Like, as I was looking at him, I was like, is it a joke? Like, is he not Eminem? Is it, like, somebody else or something? Um, right. But no. Like, it's a it was weird impression. Yeah. Um, I genuinely, as a side note, really want to know who wrote for these Oscars. Like, who was, what was the writing team? I think it's usually so much more fun to know that when there's a host, because again, hosts, like, they don't really do much, but it is always fun because you can always tell, like, the specific kind of world of comedy from which their fellow writers come from. Like, say it's, like, Andy Samberg, like, it's going to be that, like, SNL squad is writing for it, and then you, like... You get to like think about oh you know like obviously Mulaney put that on the stage or whatever but this this year I'm like I don't know what was going on or who exactly conceptualized anything so would love to read about that or who and how exactly they decide even what the bits are when there isn't a host and whatever um so so read the host thing also it was I mean I know that everyone tweeted this so it's like not an original thought but it was very funny that they like kept bringing celebrities on who would then just bring celebrities on who would then like bring the next celebrity yep. on and then that was like the whole thing and it was like hey beanie felstein you want to come on to bring mindy on and then george Mackay, you want to be in the balcony to, to make a joke about being in the balcony and then we'll pan down to the stage that was fun i think it wasn't it was very weird very I, I, I guess i'm a fan of like getting I guess I'm a fan of getting more people involved, but I just, uh, as we talked about last show, I don't like having a host. I just don't. I don't think it goes well. Mm -hmm. This is not door B. Like, they've got to find a door C, because the answer to no host is not 14 musical acts, literally 14, in a 24-category show, 14 musical acts, and uh, weird, random people introducing other people. Like, that is just not the answer. There has to be another option. Not at all. Something is weird. I mean, they definitely need to re-examine how they produce these exactly. Um, and I'm not, I'm also not sure what it is, but I I, I think I'm, I'm more pro-host than you are, obviously. But I also think I'm just, for me, it's just a proxy for, hey, fix this. <laughs> Do something else. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what that was. And it was also, the I believe, like, the lowest ratings for a while that the Oscars got. But, I, th- I mean, that's also just because, like, like we don't have TVs, man. I don't know. I, I don't. Nope. So yeah. just start start streaming these somehow. I will pay for Here's, a one-time view. I will I, pay to I watch it live. Completely agree. I think, here's my bid. I think they should add it on as, like, a, um, for those Hulu people, like, the add-on part. Yes. I think they should just make it like a one-time add-on. Like, basically, you pay five bucks and you get access to the Oscars. I think that's fine. Even if they don't do that, I don't understand why they don't publish the live streaming results. Like, can't Twitter tell them how many people logged in to watch it? Like, I'm with you. It's not... I don't think it's a failing because it had the lowest viewership. I don't watch cable. Like, I'm not going to buy cable and watch the Oscars like I did one year. Um... (laughs) I am, I'm going to watch it via a live stream on ABC Go or whatever, which again, can't they, like, why don't they give us those stats? I don't care how, what the viewership was. Yeah. Tell me how many people logged on to ABC Go, their own app, by the way. Tell me how many people logged on to that to watch and tell me how many people hit the Twitter live stream. Yes. Because I bet those are millions more than 24. It just has Absolutely. to Absolutely. Think about it's it just this like, way. like just generally like an this, industry problem with measuring views. It's just there these, yeah, are, yeah, these yeah, metrics yeah. are completely wrong, and you guys know it. It's the same thing Agreed. with this Netflix thing, right? The new thing with like they count like a second of like interest as a view, as a view. Horrible. Right. Anyway, back to what you were saying. No, I just I, I 
especially in a year like this where the international component has never been stronger. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I guess I believe Bong Joon-ho when he said that the Oscars are viewed as a local award show. I, I guess I believe him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I also have seen at least a little bit about the reaction inside of South Korea when he won. Yeah. I just don't believe that viewership didn't go up because there's more interest, especially internationally this year. But that yeah. viewership, that, that, that viewership count did not go up because they have ABC on cable. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. because people log on to websites that stream it. Like, and, and I'm not even saying, like, illegally. I mean, like, just on Twitter. They live stream the whole thing. Legally, yeah. We, I will, so we will watch that whole what stream. What were those live. counts? Like, stop giving us one count from one network in one country. That's so weird. It is truly bizarre. Yeah. I was, I mean, it, it, it's just bizarre. Like, they'll give me false hope. I'll go on their website. I'll watch the entire red carpet life. And then it'll cut off. And I don't like that shit at all. Um, so Yeah. Definitely, they need to fix that. That is, um, it's, it's not great. Um, yeah, um, I think there was also what, what else was like the weirdest thing? I mean, that was that was weird. Eminem was the weirdest thing that happened. I think. Um, then also, you know, Janelle Monet, and then that was actually really nice. I mean, she's great. Um, obviously, she's like perfect in every possible way. Great was such an understatement. I should be arrested. Um, that was great. Uh, weird, like you know slightly weird presenter moments uh, but also some funny ones and just weird number of Adina Menzel jokes because again they don't have a host so they had to have some kind of recurring joke and it was just hey people can't pronounce Adina Menzel's name but that's not even true like one person pronounced it wrong one time what a weird thing to recur um anyway that happened and there were four Elsas and it was kind of kind of great it was very Eurovision of them what, what an awards show. <laughs> Please uh, yeah. introduce us to your game, Eric, unless uh, you have something <laughs> to add to this. No, I don't think I have anything not related to the actual things. I guess I do want to quickly shout out a couple of speeches I really liked, maybe. Um, yes, can we do that I really yeah. liked uh, Brad Pitt's. I think he's been great with speeches all year. He's just been very, mm-hmm. like... He even admitted, I think, to one... Uh, I think after the Oscars, he sort of said, he's like, yeah, I've had some really, like, funny friends helping me, so... Like, and I actually like that he's truthful about that. He's like, yeah, speeches are hard and there's a reason speechwriters exist. But I think at the end of his speech was very genuine. Um, and I really liked that he shouted out to his kids and he just seemed like kind of choke up for a second. And that was cool. I also liked that he opened it with the John Bolton comment. It was just a very strong opening for the first award of the night. I thought that was good. Um, I really enjoyed, uh, I don't know their names. So I apologize to the creators of American Factory. But I really love that one of the directors of American Factory, uh, her end of her speech is she just like shouted out basically that workers should unite. Um, And they spent a good part of the opening of the show pointing out that Jeff Bezos was in the crowd. I thought that was just a delightful little juxtaposition. Um, And I'm not even going to talk about Joaquin Phoenix. That was strange. And I should know, I don't think it's strange because of like, I'm not one of those people that's like, veganism sucks. Like, no, I don't care. That's great. Like, yes, you're probably morally correct. Go for it. Um, It's more that tonally, it just kind of came out of left field. Yeah. It was so strange. It was Um, very, like, pick a lane of him. Like, he was really just going, like... It was a fascinating... like, I'm a feminist. Of the list he presented, he chose that one. That was very interesting. Yeah. Um, But the one speech that I have heard very little about, that I don't understand why, I loved Taika Waititi's non-speech mm-hmm. 
I adore that man, and I love that he ended his speech with, and uh, that's it. <laughs> and he just that like, was left. Just fantastic. <laughs> he, he said exactly what he wanted to say. He seemed a little jumbled, slash, I don't know, drunk, nervous, whatever. You know, it's, it's a, party. a little taika of him. For and sure. he yeah. just was sort of like, uh, my mom's here. She did cool stuff by bringing me into the world, and also she's a great person. And. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the yeah. order. That's it. And he just kind of left. And that was hysterical and was so like him, like so on brand in a sense. And so I think why I really liked it is as much as I like the emotional Brad Pitt speeches, I like that it's like he sort of acknowledges that not every speech has to be like a, I thank God in the Academy and, um, right. you know, like the very famous, you like me, you really like me speech. Like they actually don't all have to be like that. Sometimes you can just say like, this was really cool. Thanks for the award, guys. I'll see you in a couple of years. Like, I think that's a very right. Funny, this is kind of like the greatest speech of all so. time is Joe Pesci saying five words and leaving. So yeah. yeah. So anyway, just wanted to shout out some speeches. Um, I love that. Yes, yeah. If you want to play my game, I have a game for you. I would love to play your game. Okay. Tomorrow, the head of the Academy uh, of Motion Pictures and sciences and arts and whatever the hell it's called. Uh-huh. Uh, and pass, as, uh, as Steven Spielberg told us. Um, he calls you up, and he says, Shalila, our ratings are in the toilet, uh, according to the very bad metrics that we use. You mm-hmm. have three categories to introduce next year in order to save this show. You cannot subtract. You can only add. What okay. three categories do you add? This is beyond fascinating. I am momentarily drawing a blank, so I'm assuming you've thought about this a little bit. So I'm going to start, start thinking. Uh, I guess I should edit this as well. I should edit it and say, I don't really care if like what you pick is actually good business acumen. Like, he, you're, right, you're picking right. it because you really believe... This is not really the ratings. Exactly. Yeah. You believe in your world that this would make them more interesting and thereby more ratings. I'll take that. Sure. Um, yeah, so if you want to take a moment to think, because I have purposely caught you off guard. Um, Love that, yeah. I can give you mine. Yeah, please, please do. Okay, so uh, if I have to pick three things uh, right now, here is what I would pick. Number one, first, uh, best first feature. So this would be Like for the Spirit Awards. Exactly, exactly. And I don't mm-hmm. really understand why we don't do that because the Spirit Awards are very important. They, uh, For those of you who don't know what the Spirit Awards are, don't pay attention to them, they're actually delightful. Um, they are the yeah. awards that honor independent films every year. And the definition they're for independent film is also... the greatest award show of the year. They really are. They're great. They happen the night before the Oscars, which means it's a lot more low-key. They used to happen in a tent in a parking lot. Um, the definition of independent, by the way, is like very lax like essentially it's just like it has to be under a certain budget like it's not they're not like really restrictive they're just sort of like hey make movies and make them good and make them if you can which is a way of saying make them small um anyway they're they're wonderful and they're so fun and they're always very relaxed and just kind of goofy and cool uh anyway mirroring that i think that the oscars should have a best first feature in which you would honor a director's uh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I think this would be a director's award. It, it could be, it could be director and producer. I don't know. You can work that out in, in post, but, um, 
it would be honoring their first feature film that they make, and it would be the same rules that you have for the other rest of the awards. It has to screen for at least a week in New York and or Los Angeles, um, and that is how you determine that it is a feature, and also it has to be first. Um, so I'm sure you could have some rule involving short films or whatever. But I think this is a great way to solve a little bit of the problem without eliminating a ton of Academy membership, of yes. including a more diverse cast of nominees, because this is how you can get in new and interesting names and filmmakers. Um, so this is how you could get in names like several years ago. Uh, this is how you could have gotten in um, Fruitvale Station, for example. Um, yes by Ryan Coogler because that was his directorial debut and that is that's exactly the kind of movie I'm talking about or this year book smart Olivia Wilde um the writer Chloe Zhao last year like movies mm-hmm. that are are very very important to their careers and they're often beloved critically but for and this isn't like a this isn't a remark of the movies it's more just about how distribution works nobody really sees them because that's how distribution works. It's just not that easy unless you live in New yeah, York yeah. and LA. And if you're lucky, you have access to AMC 21 in Chicago. Um, they just aren't going shout to be shown. To so yeah. shout out to AMC 21, my home. Um, so anyway, I think that's a great way to introduce some new films to get some more interest in. And it's a great way to get some new names up there. Um, I would Number two, second category. This one mm-hmm. is more of a personal thing. I think that stunts should have been added a very uh-huh, long time ago. You I'm took one of mine. Yeah. Yes, I think best stunts should have been added a very long time ago. Um, they are an integral part of filmmaking, especially in, of course, action film. Um, more than that, though, it's been like it's not like it's a uh, well. I guess I should say I don't know that much about the stunt industry, but I do know this: it is dangerous inherently. That's why they hire professionals to do stunts yeah. that actors don't do, and people die. And Mm -hmm. that means they are literally giving their life for the craft. As far as I'm aware, most years, actors aren't dying in their movies. And that's not to say that they're doing less. It's just, exactly. It's just to say that there are literally people whose job it is to do the things that might kill the actors instead. And those people are not being recognized for their contribution to film. And there, that is another way, I think, to introduce a little bit of diversity, uh, this time in terms of, of tone and in terms of genre, to the awards. Um, for example, the biggest one off the top of my head is the latest Mission Impossible movie had Absolutely. some of the single greatest action sequences I've ever seen. They were phenomenally done. The stunt work is, is I mean, they literally jumped out of, of warplanes and parachuted into Paris. Like, yeah. I mean, I mean, as somebody who would fully lay my life down <laughs> so that series can continue, I am yeah. just, like, having yeah. a yeah moment right now reliving it's that. It's phenomenal. Um, the John Wick series is is full of mm-hmm. amazing stunt work, and those people aren't getting recognized. So that would be number two. And number three, yeah. this one I actually have a little bit of a hard time with. I don't know how to quite get it right without adding a fourth. There needs to be an award that honors motion capture... And also mm-hmm. voice acting. Yeah. Maybe those are just two separate awards, but I have a feeling they wouldn't do that to begin with. So I don't yeah. really know how to do this. So my guess would be it would be an award like best performance by someone not physically there or something. 
even though that's not yeah, really true yeah. because motion capture, you are physically there. So it's more like best performance, not with your body. Something about the way they're well, represented. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Because most famously, of course, Andy Serkis, who never won an Oscar for Gollum or for Caesar uh, in the Planet of the Apes movies. Andy Serkis, who, who owns the entire concept of motion capture at this point. Yeah. He's the godfather of motion capture. It, it is it is there because of him, and that is just indisputable, and he should have been honored for it a long time ago, and he hasn't been. Yeah. Um, that is something that should be recognized. He's Thanos, by the way, for those who are curious. Uh, Josh Brolin is the voice, and Josh Brolin did some of the, the motion capture, but Andy Serkis has done a lot of the rest of it. Um, it's just another way to honor another aspect of film, because that is different. Like, it is different than other types of physical acting. You literally have to become a completely separate entity and then make that entity believable and not cartoonish in order to make it work. And if if we're honoring Um, visual effects, like these are things that very, very much feed into bringing them to life in the first place. Exactly. And by the way, visual effects already do this. So I don't know, as in they do an aspect of this. So I don't know why that doesn't happen. Right, right. Um, Related to that, voice acting. So I think this would have to be a combined category, at least to begin with. But voice acting is another thing that sort of baffles me of like... uh, I just don't understand why that's not considered to be as as integral as a component of film. I understand they're not physically present, but I mean, for example, I did not see a beautiful day in the neighborhood, so I have no no leg to stand on as far as like criticisms or or positive or negative of Tom Hanks and his performance. But it does seem kind of weird that Tom Hanks was never nominated for his role as Woody in the Toy Story films. Yeah. Uh, it, it is it is, uh, it is a beloved series by the Academy. Like, that's not just, like, people. They have nominated virtually every one of them for different stuff. Like, they're a beloved series, and this was his last one, and he is certainly a contributor to that field in the sense that he was in the first Pixar movie, and, and just things like that where it's like, how was that lesser? I think my favorite example is Scarlett Johansson in her movie that I really love, I yeah. legitimately think it's one of her best performances and she's not there. Um, yeah. Kind of seems like that should be a thing. So those are my three. Uh, I do have one honorary segment I would like to include. Oh, what is that? I want them to stop having musical acts. And instead, I want them to hold a competition every year for student films. And instead of musical acts, in every time that they would have one of those, they instead show a two to five minute student film and they pick the best five or ten or whatever it is they want to do and they show that instead. That to me seems like a phenomenally better use of a celebration of a visual art form because instead they keep having music. And that's not saying music is not part of movies, but it is literally a visual art form. Yeah. I get that you want to put the songs out, but can we do film instead? Um, and I think that would be a great way to showcase young talent and to give people yeah. a pretty like life-changing chance. Like, your film was picked to show at the Oscars. Yeah. And I think adding, adding on to that with additional love for the Film Independent Spirit Awards, which, again, just my heart and soul. Um, Lulu Wang, who's fantastic, um, who created The Farewell, wrote and directed, I believe, or at least partially wrote yeah. and definitely directed. Um, 
fantastic movie. Um, she won Best Feature, which is you know the Best Picture award essentially for the Spirit Awards. And uh, part of her speech is she was saying that the first time she was at the awards, I believe, or maybe the the previous time she was at the awards, she was part of their version of I think it's some kind of intern or intro program as a student of film and she was allowed she was you know given an invite and allowed to be there and learned a lot and she and gave, gave a really really beautiful speech about you know in general investing in um, women who are already pushing to make movies and just giving them the platform the space they need and investing in the future but she was like she's talking about how she you know wouldn't have seen herself as a legitimate actor wouldn't have as you know filmmakers wouldn't have gotten into this world without um, the chance to be a film student and being taken seriously at those awards and that it meant so much more to her come back as a you know the winner of the big prize as well so just you know in general invest in people who are making movies and invest in invest in young people invest in the right right things and you'll see you you'll feel better about what you're honoring at higher levels you're very right about that yeah so give me your categories. What would you add? What are your, uh, what awards do you add in order to save the Oscars? So I'm not saying this just because you said it. I genuinely, my, my, the only, the very first thing that came to mind that has to be there for me was truly stunts. Um, and I think for me, maybe I would tweak that to, um, have it be stunt coordinator, just best stunt coordinator or something like that. Um, I, um, just, you know, the, the, the person in charge of delivering that Marvel that is, that is just the beauty of, of stunts. And I think that, um, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's so important. It's gorgeous. Um, and I think we can all, we can, we, this is a part of the conversation every year and obviously never just gets awarded. So I'm with you on that one. Um, I think something, so I'm, I'm not sure that these are like great ideas, but they're just the wild card ideas I came up with. And that's, that's just what I do with my life. So we're going to just throw out what I thought of. Um, I, I, I would like there to be an award for ensemble, just, you know, best ensemble. I, I, I don't think that, mm. I don't think that there's a year yeah. without a good ensemble and, and, or without at least five good ensembles. And, um, I mean, I haven't looked at numbers and that kind of stuff going back, but I can't imagine that there's a year without a solid selection of those. Um, and I, and I think sometimes these casts just play together so well, and I, I would love to see that rewarded in some form. Um, I would just love to see like, um, just yeah, best ensemble. I think that's that's literally what I would even call it. Um, would love to see that. Um, my crazy wildcard idea is like best trailer. I think that would be hilarious. I have like thirteen problems. Like if somebody pitched that to me, I'd be like, okay, that's not going to work, and I'd have like five thousand reasons why. But I also think it's very funny. Um, I mean, I know trailers are made by independent agencies and they're a marketing tool, and they're just not fair for some movies versus others and that kind of stuff. But I mean, if we're throwing out random ideas, that would certainly, I think, raise the, the 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 viewership. You know, if I was watching the awards and they started randomly rewarding trailers, I would watch it more. I think. Um, yeah. That would be that would be very funny. I think um, uh, another one that like, I okay. So th this is something that the Golden Globes does well. Um, oh, not well, but but does um, is just just the general. And general effort to acknowledge different genres. And I know the Golden Globes are TV and movies, but um, the fact that you can have the hope to see a solid comedy um, or musical take an award at the Golden Globes and that it won't at the Oscars unless it is La La Land is... 
I don't know, I, I feel sad about that sometimes. So I'm really not sure how on earth I would see this brought in considering it's just straight up best picture, but something about being being intentional about including comedies, um, with there's three I have in mind, comedies, musicals, and horror. I, I think horror gets so overlooked at the Oscars, it is insane to me going back every single year that movies, like fantastic horror movies are just for some reason just straight up not acknowledged. Like why was Midsummer in the opening song thing but not nominated? I, I mean, I know that there are movies that were better than that this year, but that's not the point. Um, uh, there's just some masterful filmmaking that gets overlooked a lot there. Um, and also if the Oscars were like maybe going to add best popular film, like the bar is not that high, so I can pitch anything. Um, and I think that's, I think that's what's on my mind. Just some way to acknowledge different genres that get overlooked, but stunts, um, really big, uh, ensemble, I'd love ensemble in some form. And I think trailers would be hilarious. That's why I'm pitching. Okay. Uh, can I offer a, a possible alternative to best ensemble that yes, I think please. might capture the same thing. Best mm, casting is it director. Casting? Yes. Yes. Casting director. I love this. Because the yeah. SAG awards have best ensemble, right? So like they're basically saying like these were the best this is the best collection of, of actors on screen as like an entire unit. But and I actually don't know if that award does that award go no i don't think so because whenever they do sag ensemble you see every actor get up there so i don't think that goes yeah, to the casting director so i feel like casting like honoring casting directors which are again another part of movies that just never gets talked about or like completely overlooked yeah that seems like that kind of solves that too of like it's hard to get chemistry like that's not like an easy thing to do and most directors aren't doing that themselves so yeah like, you know, I think Greta Gerwig came with Saoirse Ronan, but my yeah. guess would be she did not personally select the rest of them. She probably worked with a casting director like everyone else who said, yeah. you know, who might be great with her? Florence and Emma. Um, so I feel like that is a way to kind of call that out and be like, listen, these were the people that picked the best casts of the year. I love that. I love that yeah. so much. I think that would, I genuinely think that would solve it. I think that's a beautiful way of acknowledging performances that didn't get, you know, high. It's, it's always interesting to me to think about like the way in which, not not the way in which you pick leading actor or actors, but the way you pick supporting. And sometimes, especially when I was a lot younger and now I, I still, okay, so I barely know anything in life just as a rule. But I, I back when I knew even less, I was always like, how do you, what is a supporting role? You know, it's like, who makes what cut? Um, sometimes I used to be really confused when certain performances weren't considered supporting and others were, and I still am, to be honest. Um, but I think it's just a beautiful way to acknowledge basically performances that were really good, that made a big, that were, were a big part of the film and, you know, people who were selected for those parts and how the whole kind of thing came together, which is what you said, but a lot more eloquently just now. Um, yeah, we love that. This is a really beautiful. great game. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I actually hear a lot of people say best popular movie, um, and that one I like. I, I'm fine with it, I guess. My big problem is what well, my only problem with that category is that I feel like it's just another category that people are going to get pissed at every year because the <laughs> definition of what makes a movie popular is going to be the problem. Like my guess is they yeah. were based on box office, and that feels kind of gross. I don't know, like. 
I guess that makes sense because that means that it's the one that the American public actually watched. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. Like in other words, like is it allowed to overlap with Best Picture? Because in that case, Joker's winning. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't know how. Yeah, to is do that, that like is that a numbers I like game? The idea. How does it? Work? I think it legitimately yeah. could get people interested because it would make people feel like they have a category in the Oscars. Like the That's average true. American yeah. person the per- goes the, to the, the movies four times a year, only four times a year. So That's... they probably saw Endgame, Joker, etc. Yeah. So that way, when for. they're like, yeah. "Oh, great, we have a category that we can pay attention to," so I don't think it's a bad idea. I just yeah, feel like no matter yeah, what, it's going to end up with people so on Twitter funny. saying, um, this was actually the most popular film of the year because right. X, Y, and Z. And if you're telling me, that I yeah, don't know how to yeah. solve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be it. You're, that's true. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm assuming they had to have all of these conversations, these exact talks when they decided to invent the category in the first place. Um, so I actually be very curious to know what they decided on and then subsequently trashed. Um, yeah. Yeah. What a time. So give um, us also, your game. Yes. Yes. I will give you a game. But right before that, side note, because I cannot like go this entire award season without mentioning this on like some recorded form of content. Uh, like of big shout out to Bong Joon-ho's translator, Sharon Choi. I just want to say I like love her so much. Um, she's like, if you've been watching these shows, like you cannot have missed her slash just been on the internet. She's, she's like that really, really cool, she is translator, the cast translator in general, her name's Sharon Choi, she's fantastic, she's she's 25, she's also a filmmaker, like, and it's most, I believe, mostly aspiring filmmaker, um, and she's, like, writing a featuring script that I believe is meant to be based on her experience in it's award, about show award season, shows. Yeah. which is going to be amazing, I hope it is a horror movie, I will be honest. <laughs> I think that would be, Ugh. that would be the first thing I want to, I want to see come out of, <laughs> this discourse now um just where she's at with that one and i know he's very interested in reading it etc anyway i love her so much that's my little side note she's great and fantastic and she's obviously like like a really proficient translator as well yeah well my game so so my game um has absolutely nothing to do with the oscars um it, but it is a, a fun game that I'm going to make you play weekly if all goes to plan. So essentially, beautiful. You're 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 over in the U.S., right? Look at that that little country. <laughs> I am indeed. And, um, <laughs> lovely. And uh, this would be a fun time to find out you're like not um, recording yeah. from an airport or something. Um, I'm actually I'm, in Oxford, yeah. and you're in yeah. London. I don't know if we talked. That's about that. great. Me and Florence no, um, Pugh are both from Oxford. I'm actually really busy the next few days, so if uh, if you wanted to plan a <laughs> trip down, I would not be able to do that. Uh, yeah. Weird. Uh, so, and I'm over in the UK, um, and something that comes up a lot is that there are different movies playing in these places at different times, and it really just is a thing. Um, so, I, wanna, I would love to play a little fun little game that I cannot pretend is like not inspired by the most amazing blank check podcasts box office game because it is kind of literally a box office game but because it's across the pond we're going to call it trans it rank tick get it because it's transatlantic when it's ranking um i should probably explain it it's so what you're going to do is you're going to attempt to guess the in in order vaguely the top five movies that are you know the weekend box office top five for the u.s and the uk and you can imagine there's going to be some amount of overlap um especially during award season um and uh, we'll, we'll figure it out together we'll work it out along the way um i think that's i think that's fun that's I what we're it. gonna do 
Alright, so uh, you, you want to start with any particular country? What do you think is this on there in general? I'll guide you. So, yes. So your question to me is, what are the top five box office uh, movies in America and Britain? Yeah, yeah. UK? Got it. The UK. Okay. The UK, yeah. Right, right. Okay. What's the biggest movie in the with, U.S. at the moment? I'm going to start with That's U.K. I actually know the answer oh, to U.S. Okay. So I'm going to start with U.K. Okay. I'm going to... And wait, this is as of today, <laughs> right? It's as of the last weekend, so 7th to 9th Feb. Oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. great. All right, here's my bid. Uh, Birds of Prey is probably the number one in U.K. just like it is here. That's my first guess. I could be wrong, but that's my guess. Um, are we going to, are you going to tell me if I'm wrong one by one? Yeah. Do you want me to guide? I'm going to ask you that actually. Do you want me to guide you along the way or do you want me to just, you know, let you get to the end of your initial guesses? I'm I'm going to give you all five and then you just tell me how I did. Okay. Yep. All right. So birds of prey number one, and this is for the UK. Number two, I'm going to go with the gentleman from Guy Ritchie who loves to make movies about South London and, uh, you know, He's British, I think. Um, what else is he even out? I don't even know what else is out right now. I'm going to guess that because of the Oscars, 1917 is still doing pretty well, mm-hmm. maybe. And because it came out late. You told me it wasn't out yet, if I remember right. So I'm going to say Parasite. I'm undoubtedly wrong, mm-hmm. but I'm going to say Parasite because I think you told me it's not out yet. And then, because it has a different title, I'm going to go with Le Mans 66. I love this. This is, I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not, like, correct. But uh, I do believe that. Uh, that was, like, that was, those, I mean, those were well-reasoned out, though. I think this is, this is my favorite thing. Um, you are never going to guess what's number one in the UK right now. It is Doolittle. Was it not Birds of Prey? No. It's Doolittle? I know. Not as not only is it on there, it's number one. That is the number one movie in the country. Yeah. I. Wow. Yeah. This is okay. I'm about to say a statement, and this statement is in no way meant to belittle the actual harm that was done by this action, but in this current moment. I don't know if I'm more disappointed in the UK for Brexit or for what you just told me. Yeah. I am. Um, I'm just generally in a mournful Doolittle? looking at this. It's a number one movie. Yeah. Do they just desperately, does the UK just really need an out right now? Like a, like an escape? It is weird it is being promoted pretty hard to it is on every it's not on every bus but it's on like a non-zero number of buses that drive past me um it is wow. it's number one so i guess it like worked um that is honestly yeah. shocking uh okay Wait, what's number two i'm i'm into this yeah. now no i mean now you're just close um and number two is birds of prey yeah big just big movie okay. at the moment had to be up there for every main country it's out yeah. in yeah um number three 1917 yep it's award show season oh and man i'm feeling good yeah. yeah yeah you're yeah. close and then and then this is amazing like you really got this parasite is number four um it's actually Ooh. out it dropped two days before the oscars um so i remember t- complaining about it to you 
And then I subsequently yes. watched an HD stream of it before it came to theaters because I couldn't wait. Um, so yeah, it yeah. was very recently released. Obviously, climbing up the charts. It, like it, ju- like it literally released on Friday, so it's it's climbing. Um, and then amazingly, I think the gentleman has just been out for so long in the UK that it dropped to number nine. Um, but number five is oh. Bad Boys for Life. So that's fun. Oh my god! I guess it's the only I word I can even come up realize with. that. The UK would care about bad boys for life. <laughs> oh, wait till you do the US. I definitely spoiled that a little bit for you. But um, do you want to do you want to try tackling the US? I mean, there's obviously like a ton of overlap. Just you know, try and put everything in order. The US, I like. I know this is gonna sound crazy. I think I don't know the US is more than I don't know the UK. So, like, if I had to take a stab, I know Birds of Prey was the biggest as of the weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's number one. I'm gonna assume. That Bad Boys for Life is in there just because it has been in theaters for a bit and it's kind You're of had a, doing a long great tail. Right now. Hell yeah, just stick um, with it. Yes. Man, something else came out and I remember. Oh, what the, was it? Griddle and Hansel? Did that just come out? Mm, yeah, but don't get too creative with this one. Just okay. You know, stick to some classics. <laughs> like, it's up. It's up there. It's in the top ten. But I guess after that, I'm just gonna guess that it's it's other Oscar movies. So I yeah. I, I don't know what order, but I'm gonna go. So I'm gonna say that it is Birds of Prey, it is uh, uh, Bad Boys for Life. I'm gonna mm-hmm. say it's Joker, Frozen mm. Two. No. Ooh! Wow! No. Toy Story uh. Four instead, and um, what's my number five? Uh, it's just I'm, it's I'm, far I'm, off just say any movie the it's a movie gentleman <laughs> <laughs> is that even playing right. in the United States today <laughs> no it's uh, not oh, it's I number it's six <laughs> never mind it's hey. number six um but this, it's it's a pretty funny chart it just I this is such a this makes me really think about what a weird time of year it is so Birds of Prey is indeed number one Bad Boys for Life is number two um so that movie is doing so well I mean what um so that's that's good good for them uh 1917 is number three I don't think you guessed that oh, but wow. you did say it would be an Oscar no, movie I did not. so well, it sure is um um yeah, I suppose. Number four, again, Doolittle. It's just... It's Wait, really? Yeah. Um, and number five, Jumanji The Next Level. So, Wait, what I don't know what was going on serious? in the cinema box office this weekend. Wait, but Jumanji? That is the... Seriously? Yeah, seriously. That came out forever ago. Yeah, yeah. This is, the weekend was weird, man. Clearly, right? it was weird. No. Yeah, it's just about the gentleman. Right there. And then we have Gretel and Hansel, and then Knives Out, and I guess it kind of does make sense because those have been out I, I cannot believe Jumanji the legs up there? that Jumanji has had. That's actually pretty impressive. Yeah. You know what? That actually, Okay, I'm going to actually change my mind. I think that makes sense, and here's why. It's, it goes back to what we just said. The average American sees four films a year. Yeah. That movie released around the holidays. If I'm a person and I am in tough economic times because the world is currently a nightmare and it is the holiday season and it's after the holiday season. So I'm finally done spending money and I'm finally free of the holiday necessity of spending money. Mm-hmm. And also it is a, it has been fairly warm sometimes. So as in like we've gone through yeah. some weird warm spikes yeah. in the U.S., 
which sure. means you can actually go out and like you might want to go to the theaters. And it's also January, which means there's nothing else really competing. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to look at your theater and you're going to see The Rock. And The Rock is going to draw sure. you more than any other single thing that you just listed. That's my guess. I really enjoy like how much of this was having to get into character as the star? average American yeah. cinema viewer. Yes, yes, absolutely. Like, he's, you know, a big star, big poster. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he actually draws people. People are like, oh, I know that guy. I want to go see it. Like, he's The Rock. So maybe that makes sense why it has such good legs. Like, it can just keep going as long as there's nothing else really in the way. Like, I'm assuming Birds of Prey is what's going to kill it. Because right, that sort right. of replaces That's it. It's like, oh, here's a, here's a licensed property. So... Right, wow, that right. was very interesting. I deeply enjoyed that. You were very good at this. I mean, I really would have just thrown some random movies out. Um, but know, that's, I mean, do a, little shout out to that disaster. being obsessed. Uh, yeah, that's, I would actually love to go through a, uh, we'll have to schedule a Doolittle deep dive episode because. Please, yes. I have got some things to say about Doolittle. That would, oh, did you, wait, did you see it? Oh, yeah. I haven't written my review yet, so I guess you don't know that. Yeah, I saw yeah, it. Yeah. I watched it by myself. Oh, God. I watched okay. it by myself in the I theater. I don't think you can, like, with good conscience, drag anyone else to that. I mean, not even, <laughs> no, like, I, your I, lovely yeah. partner. You cannot subject anyone no. to that. Um, no, it was, um, no. yeah. So, we'll have to do that. Well, anyway, uh, that was a great yeah. game. I'm glad that you, well, you threw that you. our way. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I hope uh, you know. I hope it throws up an equal number of surprises in the subsequent weeks. I do have one little thing that I'd love for us to do um, as a little treat for anyone who's truly still listening to this. All of you, we love you. Um, uh, do if you want to? Would you mind wrapping up with uh, a telling, suggesting? Yes, yeah, suggesting is a word. It's definitely an English word. It is two thirty a.m. Um, <laughs> a movie <laughs> that is currently streaming. You know, on any readily-ish accessible platform like Netflix or similar, that um, you just generally recommend. Just a movie that's on the platforms right now that you want to call attention to. Ooh, yeah. Um, oh, I love this idea. Um, for those who don't know, I am currently uh, in the process of a New Year's resolution, trying to watch a new movie every single day for the year 2020. Um, I just realized it's also a leap year, so I have made life one day harder on myself. Um, I just realized that in the middle of that sentence. Um, uh, and that's a new either. movie, not, yeah, not a, not a film that released in 2020, but just a film that I've never seen. So I have been scouring streaming sites every day for a while now. So I have a, a pretty good knowledge of what's on there. And also, um, what's been really surprising is like, once you get past the first like wave of stuff, there's a lot of really great quality stuff on streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and most people have at least one of them. And that means you've got a lot of stuff at your fingertips. So the current thing I'm going to recommend, um, because it is what stuck out to me the most recently, is Honey Boy. Um, mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. Yes. Um, Prime Video or whatever it's called. Um, yeah. So this is the uh, Shia LaBeouf um, sort of autobiographical film, uh, semi-autobiographical, um, which he wrote uh, and also starred in. Uh, he plays his own father. Well, he plays the, the fictional character that is supposed to be his father. Um, and uh, it is Lucas Hedges uh, playing a current aged Shia LaBeouf film Twitter's Um, darling yes and a young man whose name I don't know unfortunately Um, I I, I don't remember it off the top of my head he plays young Shia LaBeouf sort of even Stevens era Shia LaBeouf Um, and 
uh, it is a phenomenal film. It really is uh, uh, extraordinarily good. Um, my immediate thought was, I, I don't know why it was not nominated for Best Original Screenplay and why he was not nominated for Best Actor. Um, uh, and I think there's strong arguments we made that the director, whose name I will not butcher on this podcast, um, mm-hmm. why she was also not uh, uh, nominated. Um, but yeah, it is a, a really... It's a pretty heartbreaking movie. Um, I think more than anything, what it did was, I mean, A, we all sort of know, I think Shia LaBeouf at this point is very memeable. That's been his sort of, his legacy since uh, the Transformers movie is that he's become a meme for the public. Um, He does sort of these out there things like art shows and streams his own movies. Like he does a marathon of all of his movies and he sits there and live streams it and all these kind of things. And, um yells at things on camera things like that um but what's really interesting is that this movie is a very self-critical look um he he has a lot to there's a lot of catharsis um there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of there's a lot of conflicting blame uh and i thought that was the most interesting part of the movie is that i wouldn't say that the movie comes away with an answer and I think what that means is that he also doesn't have an answer um, currently. Yeah. But what it does come away with is that he is not a screw up. Uh, and I don't, what I thought was interesting is that I don't think that he portrays himself in that movie as though saying, we said that he was a screw up. It's very self critical. He basically says, I know that I'm a screw up. Mm-hmm. But by the end of it, what you come away with is this idea of, that he, he has essentially learned that he is not a screw-up. He is instead uh, the victim of, of uh, intergenerational addiction and mm. and abuse and of, of untreated mental health. And I think that was honestly kind of... Um, again, it's not in a way that feels like he's blaming you as the audience, but I kind of can't yeah. help it. Like, as a, as a person who has lived through that, and I think of a generation that is very tied to Shia LaBeouf as a person because he yeah. happened to be around our age at every point of our lives. Um, mm. It was a little bit hard to watch and sort of be like, oh, we've really been making fun of this guy for a long time. And instead of recognizing that this was a breakdown, we were like, isn't it funny that Shia LaBeouf is kind of crazy? Uh, yeah. And those are just not equitable things. So it was it was really phenomenal. It, it, the, the filming was, was fantastic. The cinematography was beautiful. Um, there was so much tenderness uh, in that movie. Um, it was honestly shocking. So, yeah, Honey Boy is my current recommendation. It automatically shot to uh, to my, my top of 2019 list. I could listen to you talk to movies you liked all day, and I think I share that with a lot of people. <laughs> so I'm glad this exists. Um, to, um, so I think my my little thing is um, I'm gonna. My, it's not gonna be sort of a you know a rumination on how I felt about these movies. It's just that they're all really good. Um, so I'm gonna very quickly split my recommendation three ways because these are all currently screaming streaming at least on screaming. Wow, um, they're all currently screaming to you to watch them on UK Netflix at the very least. I'm pretty sure they're worldwide, but you could just I don't know VPN or something. It's 2020. Um, 
so three movies that I think that if you haven't watched yet because you've just like seen them and scrolled past or missed them in the theaters or they never were, but like you're looking for just something to type into the Netflix search bar. Um, uh, if you've skipped over the John Wick series in general, like the franchise, don't. It is unbelievable. Then like you've made some of a the huge most mistake. <laughs> deep. I knew I was going to get this out of you as well. I was like, I'm, this is the right person to be like plugging John Wick with. Like unbelievable act. Generally, act- action is like kind of reductive, but it is an action franchise with Keanu Reeves. Just like un like gorgeous very well-made movies um the third one at the very least is streaming on netflix and is very good like all of them are very good um watch that just like definitely watch it um if you're not in the u.s like i mean watch uncut gems because it's on netflix and also if you have you know recently watched parasite and you're looking to dive more into uh bong joon ho's work slash korean cinema if you're looking to dive into his work part one um, you could always watch Okja, which is on Netflix. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's like the big pig movie. It is like phenomenal. I think, I think you're pronouncing it right. Okay. I heard, I heard somebody, somebody in like the Korean film cinema world say it as Okja the other day. So I know that even if it's wrong for some part of parts of the world, it's definitely how the Koreans say it. So yeah, I think that, that's right. helpful. Um, so that, but also there is, and I really should plug this somewhere, but there's, if you Google this, I'm sure it'll come up. There's some lovely soul on Twitter has put together a thread of like a great introduction to like Korean film that like, if you liked Parasite and want to get more into that kind of stuff and like obviously starting with Bong Joon-ho's work, but then going into similar, um, equally like stunning and overlooked up until now I suppose um filmmakers um catalogs for some lovely recommendations it's just it's a little thread that goes into you know um uh uh, some of his great greatest movies that are you know accessible easy for you to watch and some other recommendations so there's some things that if you've been you know poking around in the netflixes recently looking for stuff to watch uh do not sleep on john wick as a concept and also um more korean cinema that's what yeah, I, mean. I don't think you can go wrong with that. Yeah, love that. Great. That was well, lovely. That was our uh, post-Oscar show, everybody. Um, yeah, thanks for sticking with us. And uh, look at that. You and I have officially uh, uh, accomplished one of the things we promised, which was we would do a post-show. So that means we yes! have forward momentum. We're not We've liars. kept a promise. Absolutely. Consistency, right? <laughs> And uh, yeah, tweet great. us if you want to hear anything. Slash, you know, DM us or let us know. Uh, do you want to tell us what your Twitter is, Eric? Because it's a great handle again. Yes. So you can find me uh, at uh, more Eric Morales. Uh, that is M O R E R I C M O R A L E S on Twitter. Um, and yeah, if you can find my Twitter, you'll find pretty much everything else that I have. So yeah, yeah, which is some great stuff, by the way. Subscribe to his uh, writings on Substack and check out um, One Ticket, please, and just the general like lovely, lovely, heartfelt world of um, movie um, content that Eric continues to put out, um, and just you know tweets in general, which are also joyful. Um, and then follow me for the laughs and the, the <laughs> probably regrets at um, OK Shalila on Twitter. That's OK S H A L E I L A, and uh, tweet me. I love to see those notifications. Um, but yeah, we're very grateful to you for listening and, uh, we're going to keep doing this. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks everybody. Have a good night.